Hello and welcome to the Everyone Has a Story podcast. The great late comedian Milton Berle once said, if opportunity doesn't come knocking, just build another door. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Not building doors, but looking for opportunities. And opportunities come in a lot of different phases, varieties, shapes, and forms. And so the one that we're going to talk about today is business. But before we get to the business part of opportunity, we're going to talk about fly fishing. Everybody knows that I like to fly fish. And so anytime I can have that opportunity to go fly fishing, I'm going to. But like most fly fishermen, I don't like to be in the crowds. I like to be with my two or three friends that I fly fish with all the time. But I like to go to remote places where the fish don't seem to be spooked as much. And the anticipation can be a lot higher. So this one time, three of us were hiking down the Grand Canyon to fly fish at the bottom in the canyon, right where Bright Angel Creek meets the Colorado River. And no one was down there on the river, which made it just perfect for me. We get down there, it's starting to hit the dusk period of the day, sun was setting, and the flies and the bugs were starting to come off the water just fine. So the anticipation was great. But because we never fished here before, we had to look for those opportune places. And so we get down there. And before we hit the water, we really walked probably a good mile up and down the creek just to make sure that we knew exactly where we wanted to throw those flies. And then once the hatch happened, we were there. But, you know, fly fishing just isn't just where you just go get your, your rod and reel and you go throw your fly in the water. You know, there's some, there's some science behind it. And that's the same thing that we're going to talk about today with the, with the podcast here, because there is a science to seeking that opportunity that you're looking for. And there's a lot of mindset and just different actions that you can take to get to that. So today, speaking with about opportunities, I'm going to take this opportunity to introduce my guest, Christina Alcatara. How are you? And welcome hey. back. Hey, Roger. Thank you. Great story, by the way. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And I have plenty more for you. So Christina is an executive coach and a business mindset coach and a business growth coach. And today we're going to be talking about really what it is to be someone looking for and seeking opportunities. But before that, I want Christina to take a couple moments to really uh, talk about who she is and what she does. I'm always glad to be back. Um, I am, like you said, a business executive coach and a growth advisor. I work with um, individuals and also with teams. Um, I'm always trying to just help um, whoever needs some growth advice or um, they're struggling with the current situation or they feel like there is more in life and they're just trying to make it happen and they don't know how, I'm always there to help. Um, and saying that, I really, really love the today's um, podcast about seeking opportunities and I can't wait to dive back in. Well, you should, because if there's anybody out there that I know in this world that knows how to seek out opportunities, it's you. I've heard countless and countless stories that you've told me about what you've done to make your needle move from one point to another in the greater 
forward uh, position. And so you are my expert guest on seeking opportunities. So let's get after it. So just to make sure that everybody fully understands what we are talking about to you, what is seeking opportunities? If I had to say it shortly, is to take advantage of anything around you, to potentially be present and just relax. Okay. And so I, I know that we've talked really a lot about the why and the purpose of a business. And I know that when, uh, when I've seen business owners and their teams really have a greater advantage of taking and seeking opportunities is because they are very aligned, you know, not just from the top, but all the way down to the bottom, that they are fully aligned. So it doesn't matter what your uh, role is with that company. There's always people that have a lot of eyes and a lot of ears open to opportunities. What do you think about that? Um, I couldn't agree more. I feel like what I said about being present, it's potentially to um, actually be aware of what your company's mission is and see if that aligns with you and who you are and making the most out of, out of it, you know, the most out of your um, even current team or opportunities around you or just dropping your ideas to basically um, make sure that we're moving into the right direction. That makes sense. Yes, it does. Now, I know you have a very, very unique story about seeking opportunities. I know I've already talked about it. You have countless ones, but the one that we're talking about is uh, about your opportunity where you made your opportunity to be a boxing coach. Tell us about that. Oh, I believe that's one of my highlights of, of my life where basically it started so badly and it took me on a on a great journey. I remember like I was about 20 years old back then and um, I was not very good in a very good mental state. And um, I did the only thing I knew how to basically um, cope with my feelings and my situation and create change. And that was through sports. Um, so what I did was um, an opportunity came across for a boxing class never done a boxing class before in my life, never done any martial arts, didn't even know how to, you know, hold the gloves kind of thing. Um, and I remember um, I went into the class not knowing how would that look like. I don't even think I remembered or I knew how long the class was. I just assumed it would be like 45 minutes. Um, so everyone seemed so happy to be there. I just kind of adapted. Everyone's so friendly. And next thing you know, the coach takes us all out for a run. And I remember like we went through the town all together. It was it was quite fun, but then weird and embarrassing at the same time. I remember we went, we went all up this massive hill and back down and we came back to the gym about 20 minutes later, right? So I was like, I feel good. I mean, that was difficult, but I feel good. Um, and next thing you know, my coach goes, all right, let's stretch up. And let's begin. And I was like, begin what? <laughs> I thought that was my class. What are you doing? I just overcome like 
myself like that's it that's it for me and little did I know I finished that class and I feel great but then at the same time it was hard for me okay I was talking with other people that they just first came for the first time as well they were like no man I'm not coming back again this is crazy you know things like that and I was thinking actually like if you put aside the heart the physicality of it, which potentially you could grow into, it was great fun. So next thing you know, I signed up for a monthly thing and I was going more and more. Next thing you know, a month became three, three months, three months became six months. And I was getting addicted into this new now, just family I created. Like everyone was just so friendly. Everyone was helping each other. You couldn't even tell who was the beginner and who was the person that's literally ready for the fight, like on Sunday. And I don't mean like physically or how they worked out, because you could clearly see that. It's just the mentality of, you know, the mentality of it, like how everyone was just welcoming and friendly and you felt like you just belonged, that you can do this. Um, and then I remember I start going earlier. Um, I start leaving later. And there was classes before and after my class. So without knowing, because I was there and I was present, um, I just saw that my coach was struggling a little bit because he was alone there. So I just kind of start helping him here and there. Um, we became friends. And then um, I was going earlier and then he was doing pads with me on, on you know, one-to-one for free because I was just helping him out. So that was helping me out as well without even like, doing it for that reason um and then I remember I was like oh my god man I love this I wish I could just be more involved and next thing you know because he needed someone to kind of do the conditioning at the beginning I just start doing the conditioning part where it was just like you know getting everyone sweaty and I was loving it like I was working with like so many different ages and stuff and then I was like oh my god like I can't believe this um this person that didn't know how to hold pads or gloves or whatever, didn't even know how to throw a punch, probably get injured every single time, to now actually um, leading or co-leading this class with my coach. And I was like, okay, so if I can go from there to there, what's next? But I didn't say it in a way that, you know, I was unfulfilled or unhappy. I was like, no, I'm buzzing. I want to see what's more for me and what value can I put and what value can I take uh and I remember like I just spoke to my coach because we always chatted about a lot of things he was actually a mentor as well for uh people with addictions and uh mental health and we were just having a chat and I said you know what I would love to be able to co-lead with you and actually coach boxing you know and he was like okay like I don't know if he saw that coming or not, but he was just kind of, all right, like, let me see what I can do. Um, and next thing you know, um, he presented me with an opportunity to actually take a coaching course for free for my club. So, yeah, there is for me a story of like seeking opportunity in every single thing you do, putting yourself out there, being present, make the most out of your situation and just relax and enjoy so I'd be remiss if I did not ask this question to follow up what you just said. If you're coaching clients to not 
and I'm talking to your executive coaching clients, if they do not follow what you ask them to do and they're doing their homework and all that kind of stuff, do you give them that right hook? <laughs> I know that you love saying that. Um, I do and I don't. <laughs> you know, I do and I don't because um, I feel some of them, they really need it just to get the, you know, the, the brain back into place. But yeah, some yeah. others that just need that love, you know, as well. But yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been known to give a stiff kick in the rear, but I've never known to have a, a good right <laughs> hook. So we'll, we'll make a good team there. So through your story, though, it's because you found what your purpose was, you found a why that you were passionate about, and you just kept charging towards that. Now, why do you see that most individuals, they fear that they don't take on that challenge? Because I read an article one time that stated that over 80% of all humans on this planet, they are that more that worker bee type mentality where they wake up, they do their job, they go home, eat, sleep, and get up and do it all over again. And I know from day to day, they all have that, that sense that we, I could do something better in my life. So tell us, why do you think that they don't take on that, uh, their passion and follow their passion? I want to start by saying that um, there's nothing wrong with the way you said that people live that 80%. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it in my eyes. But it's just um, the more I get to experience life, the more I realize what you just said, that there is more in life for us, you know. Um, and to answer your question, why? Um, for the same reason that I haven't taken some opportunities in the past, which I would say it would be a fear of the unknown, you know, or a fear of failure. Like, for example, um, you can see an opportunity um but then you wouldn't actually take the step forwards to to go to the next level to seek an opportunity or seize that opportunity because um first of all you don't know what's there you don't know how that would come out do you know you don't know um if that would be what you're expecting or not rather than now um in that level where i'm like i don't know what to expect great you know um also i said fear of failure uh, i don't know why but i always come across um a lot of people that they're afraid to fail make mistakes um and they think that making mistakes and failing it's a sign of weakness a sign of not preparing enough a sign of um, not searching enough a sign of anything negative you can imagine rather than I know it from talking with you as well that you agree on failure just being part of the process and many times it's actually one of your best lessons that you get from failing um there is this great book that uh, I've read from uh John C Maxwell as called failing forwards and I just could not explain or answer to your question better than that like so basically when you're afraid of failing when you're afraid of the unknown when you're afraid of getting uncomfortable um when you're just i don't know like you think that that would uh, inquire a lot of hard work or um 
maybe it's, you know, you spoke to a couple of people and they said, oh my God, this is impossible. You can't do this, you know? And you just accepted that. No, <laughs> don't, you know? Like, do you want to live your life um, the way you want to or the way other people are telling you to? Yeah, you know, and another thing that I've heard you say about this is that I've always bragged about how I really feel like I'm always living in the moment. And one day you told me about how that there can be a downside to living in the moment. And I was taken back by it. And you told me that sometimes people can be too comfortable in their present. What do you mean by that? Okay. Again, like I said before, there's nothing wrong with being comfortable with who you are and the situation you're in, okay? So more than anything, I actually think that's a great starting point to be happy with who you are and where you are at that point in time. But then again, sometimes people just get too comfortable where they are, you know? And when you get too comfortable with where you are, sometimes many times actually that kind of puts like this big barrier in front of you um and it either stops you or slows you down from um seeking opportunities or from growth oh what do i mean by growth i don't mean like oh you know we need to constantly um grow within ourselves uh learn more push 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 no not at all like there's just so many ways you can grow as a person you know, you can grow into your understanding or understanding others. You can grow into accepting yourself, loving yourself, loving others. You can grow into, I don't know, just being courageous to um, follow and just um, seek more opportunities around you. And that's what I meant when I said that. Okay. So let's talk about the teams in the organization for a minute. A lot of them are are falling short on on being able to see or even think about seeking an opportunity. I always profess that it was that they were not really tied to their mission statement, their why, the purpose of that business. And I remember one time when I was first becoming a manager for this large corporation, I was managing a health club and tennis club. And the place was beautiful, but they had well water, which sometimes came out tasting, tasting very bitter and just nasty. And so, you know, when you're when you're working out or playing tennis, there's a good chance you need to go get some water. I mean, we always teach getting hydrated, but no one wanted to drink our water because there was just a smell to it and a foul taste to it. So every day I'd walk by, we'd offer free coffee to the um, to the members. And even the members would not even take a free cup of coffee in the morning just because there was just that something smell, you know, off smell about the water, the, the coffee tastes that same way. And then all of a sudden one day, I'm noticing that the coffee pot is being refilled more and more than I've ever seen before. So I started asking around like, boy, I'm tasting the water, still doesn't taste anything like I want to drink by itself. So why are we selling so much coffee? And no one, none of the managers knew. So we kept asking around, trying to find out what happened with uh, why all of a sudden are we drinking more, members drinking more coffee. And we found out that this young lady who 
just was sweet as could be. She opened up the club five days a week and she would always make the first couple pots of coffee. And because she could not stand the taste, she came in on her own and she started putting cinnamon into the coffee grounds before she brewed it. And quite honestly, it made a remarkable difference to where all of a sudden now I have members complimenting me on how good my coffee tasted. And I was becoming the hero of this process and I knew nothing about it. This young lady took it upon herself. She, she saw an opportunity where it was desperately needed. And without asking anybody, she took it upon herself to bring the cinnamon in and to make a great cup of coffee or to make a bad cup of coffee really, really good. And, and when we finally noticed that, I wanted to do something for her. So my boss who would come into the club once a week and he was never other there than these two hours and he just wanted an update. So I told him about what this young lady did and how all of a sudden my members are just enjoying the heck out of a cup of coffee and they just seem to have a more positive outlook in the morning when they come to work out or play tennis. And he goes, wow, that's nice. And it just, he, it didn't even phase him. And I'm looking at him, I said, well, I'm, I'm telling you this because I want to do something special for this young lady. She took it upon herself to do that. And he looked at me like, it's a cup of coffee. What do you want to do? And I said, well, you know, she's making probably somewhere close to minimum wage. I'd like to maybe give her a nice little spot award, financial spot award. So she just knows how thankful I am because I'm hearing such good things from the members. And he looked at me like, I'm crazy. And he said, well, how much money were you thinking? You know, and this was probably 30 plus years ago. I was thinking, let's give her 50 bucks. He looked at me and go, there's no way we're giving this young lady 50 bucks. How about if we split the difference and we'll give her 20 bucks? Well, I wasn't going to win the argument. So I gave her 20 bucks and a nice little thank you card. And from that moment on, that little gesture that she did that led to my gesture, giving her a nice little spot award, turned into a movement within all the employees of this tennis and fitness club. And all of a sudden now they are competing to one-up everybody who, who wins in the long run, the members do. And that's what we're there for is to help the members. But I could not believe that that one little gesture of putting cinnamon in a simple cup of coffee and giving her a little spot, financial spot award turned into a movement. And I was, I, I, to this day, I'm still amazed by what that little gesture did to an organization that was actually running at a very peak, you know, efficiency and productivity and everybody, the members loved us, but all of a sudden now it turned into just a, a, a much better place to work and to, to experience as a member. So Christina, with that being in mind, what other areas have you saw where teams are and businesses are falling short? Okay, let me just say something before I answer your question. Your question, your, sorry, your um, story right there, it's what happens with the power of seeing, seeking, and seizing opportunities. That was beautiful. That was really good. Yeah. Well done, by the way. <laughs> Very good. Yes. Um, yeah, so uh, back to your question. <clears throat> I would say um, teams 
are falling short when um, they don't push those boundaries of just potential for their teams. Um, so like what you did or what uh, potentially um, this nice lady did. So she saw a potential right there and she didn't expect someone to open the door for her and she just took it. But then at the same time, you actually encourage that more. Um, and I don't see that very often when it comes down to businesses. Like people in leadership don't take the time to actually encourage and push those boundaries of potential. I don't know if you find that at all, because I know that you, you have your very special way of leading, which I absolutely love. So would you say you come across that? Yeah, you know, the I've always told countless people my pot row story where they cut both ends off and they don't know why. And I have found so many times in the world of business, and it doesn't matter what size of business, that most organizations, they have one unique cancer that runs through the whole organization. And that cancer is, the statement is, I don't know, we've always done it that way. And so many times from top all the way down to the bottom, everybody becomes a robot on day one. And they're not allowed to do anything else but be that robot. And they can't even share a thought of what it might look like outside that box. And it's sad, number one. And I think it's number two. It's the reason why we're going through this great resignation is that a lot of individuals the work in the workforce are tired, sick and tired of being a robot where their voice does not matter, their creativity does not matter, and all they do is come to work, clock in, do their job, don't question a damn thing, clock out and go home. And that's really, if you're going to spend one third of your day, and in today's world, it's probably more closer to half your day at a job, you got to be, you have to enjoy it. And, and, and to me, I, I, you know, I think the number one cancer of all businesses is that one statement, I don't know, we've always done it that way. Do you know what? Oh, I think you kind of summarize all of my time working for someone else. <laughs> Not all of my time, but probably the majority of my time, my day, my feelings and my team's feelings. Um, and I'm glad to see that someone in that leadership uh, point, they actually see outside the box. They can see the bigger picture um, and they know how to put value into others and how to, what you said, um, not expect, but like encourage doing things differently, like a hundred percent, like, just, just encourage that. Just kind of um, try to bring people um, to focus on what could be possible. How can we do this differently? Um, maybe do some trainings on that. You know, um, I don't, and actually have the right motivation when people come forward with that, like what you did with this coffee lady. You know, she did that. You didn't even expect her to ask her to train her to, but she did it and she over exceeded your expectations and her potential 
But then at the same time, you seriously valued that. And you didn't just value it by saying, oh, yeah, that was nice. No, you actually took a step further to show how much you appreciated that, you know, because she didn't just do that for herself and she didn't just do that for you. But like what you said, she changed everyone's like morning routine, you know, which is great out of, you know, just taking this little single opportunity. Well, thank you for that nice compliment. But now, how would you, as the executive coach, how would you talk to a team of leaders, owners, and how would you coach them on how to get out of the the old mindset is of, I don't know, we've always done it that way? Um, I would do two things. I would start by having an advocate for the people. You know, um, when I walk into a business and I try to talk or walk through things with their leadership team, team, I need to know what I'm working with, you know, um, to kind of see what the strengths are, what their challenges are, um, and what they expect from this whole process or what they expect from being at work or whatever that looks like. So then that kind of sets the expectations and the limits and then what I would try to do after that is try to break through that and try to show what would that look like um for example I remember we're talking the other day and you told me this beautiful story I know it doesn't sound like you telling (laughs) stories (laughs) um about getting into um a, a health club team that they were doing sales um and the, the the sales target or the best sales ever was about 65 packs and you kind of aim for 90 and then by the first third um of that january month they've done um they've done the whole like you know they, they they've exceeded that target and then instead of you at that point in time um basically telling them what's possible or showing them what's possible or trying to just talk about it you actually showed them that they can do this. And then they actually come across or they come forward by saying, do you know what, actually, like we could do more than that because if we've done so much or so far with so little time, then it's possible. And I feel that's where teams sometimes, um, a leadership team especially, fall short. Um, They focus too much on what's impossible. Or they focus too much on what has been possible since today or uh, till today or till yesterday, you know, which is those limitations that we set or expectations that we set, which is great. You know, it's kind of um, just to have a point, just just a point to to see how far you've come or uh, how far you can go. No, how, how far you come, but not how far you can go. And that's what I would say. And just to add to that story and that example, what I've found a lot of times is that in organizations, one reason why leaders are not seeking opportunities is because they're sitting on the wrong seat of the bus. They don't have the talent. They worked their way up the company ranks and they were given a promotion 
where that promotion had nothing to do with what their strengths were. And in the case that I was telling you about with the health club, yeah, their greatest month ever was 65, if give or take. And I knew that this club by itself was worth so much more than that, especially in January. But the team was not salespeople by nature. They were very, very good, likable individuals that were hired to do sales when they'd much rather just do marketing and talk to people about it. And But to ask for a sale was like, oh my God, you're asking me to walk into the into the ring with uh, someone that really knows how to box and, uh, and I've never put on gloves before. You're gonna ask me to go you know, 15 rounds with them. They just knew it was impossible. And that's how they believed it. And so when we did the marketing and by the 10th or 11th, they, they reached that goal. All of a sudden their eyes were like, oh my God, what are we gonna do for the rest of the month? You know, and then being the leader, you know, I said, let's see what we can do. And I asked them what they thought they could do now that they've seen the real life. And they gave me a number. I agreed to it. And guess what? That number, that best number from 65 went to over 300 in one month. And from that moment on, it didn't matter what month it was, you know, in, in the health club industry, there are months that are just deadly slow. But they, they didn't even think about that anymore because they now had a new perspective on what really could be done to the point where one of the ladies on that team actually came up to me and said, I think we need to change our tagline in our marketing. And I can't even remember what the, the tagline was. I'd only been there about a month or two. And I said, what should it be? She says, we are the premier club. And I looked at her, I go, who are you? You've never said stuff like this before. You just came in and did your job and uh, went home. I go, yo, what happened to you? And she said, look what we've done. No one would have ever believed that we could do that. And in really less than 60 days of me being there, that whole company has saw things that they have never done before. And, and that's where so many leaders are, are lacking is that they really don't know what to expect. And so how can they push a team and, and help get a team to go to a certain level if they've never been there themselves and never saw that themselves? What are your thoughts? I, I've heard this not too long ago, and um, it really reflects to what, what your mentality was and how you worked around it. And it went something like this. It said... Um, if you see the best in someone, then they will prove you right. And if you see the worst in someone, then they'll prove you right. And I think that is one of your gifts as a leader, that you somehow, in a very unique way, you not just go around and say, oh, yeah, I see the best in you. Yeah, yeah, you're great. No, that's not the thing at all. But like in a very unique way, um, you find people's strengths, you highlight them, and then you see the potential in them. And that's all they need. And I think you'll be surprised. Um, just one advice for people out there that they're working with people. You'll be surprised how much an individual or a team can do if you just have that mentality that you do. That's great advice. And that's great uh, inspiration. 
Christine, I can't thank you enough for being uh, my guest speaker again today. Your insight is a uh, is very well versed and well articulated. So I know you've been giving us a lot of encouragement all day. I know you've been giving me a lot of encouragement all this podcast. Give us one more little piece of uh, inspiration or advice that we can take away from this uh, podcast. Mm. Don't be afraid to start failing forwards. Okay. And I do know that um, I've, I've never heard you ever talk about failing, but you know that there was going to be consequences. And I do know from time to time that you, uh, in the circle that people that you hang around with, they know that nothing is impossible. You just got to work around the angles. And so I can't thank you enough for bringing that spirit to this podcast and just to the the people out there in the world. So thank you again for being the, my guest speaker. And how can people uh, reach out to you if they want to learn a little bit more and talk to you about your services? Yeah, 100%. Um, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, you can find me at Christina Alicatora, or you can find me by email at christina.alicatoracoaching at gmail.com. Great. Well, Thank you again. And everybody, don't, don't hesitate out there. If you want to learn from one of the best on seeking opportunities, which they're out there every day, uh, reach out to Christina. Thank you. Thank you. My podcast wouldn't be the same if it wasn't for my sponsors and my uh, great supporters. So let me take this opportunity to thank each and every one of them. First of all, I want to thank Rebecca at Custom Bookkeeping and Accounting, delivering trustworthy bookkeeping services since 2003. Dave and Dara at Virtues Matter, making this world a much happier place to be with their Virtues card apps, coaching, and workshops. Stephen at Buller Accounting, giving business owners depth and insight to their numbers. Eric and his team at Ivy Cat Web Design, the real superheroes of web development and design. Jennifer and Jean at the Seavers Real Estate Team, serving Pierce and Kitsap counties with their home buying and selling needs. Maury at the Maury Method, the world's only brainwave and trainment engineer, helping everyone have more clarity, less stress, and overall better brain health. Priya at Pivot My Profit, helping individuals and businesses have better control of their finances and more money at the end of their day. Melissa at the Soul Vibe Energy High, the queen of the aha moments, helping individuals find those holes in their cups, repair the hole, and gain back their positive energy. And finally, Rick at West Sound Recording. You talk, they do all the rest. Thank you, Rick, for all your efforts with the production and editing of my podcast.